Blog Talk Radio. The children of prisoners, the silent victims of incarceration, getting a rare opportunity, a chance to spend a single day with their fathers in prison. Some say it can make a world of difference, but how do you fit a lifetime's worth of parenting into just 24 hours? Nightline co-anchor Juju Chang goes behind prison walls for our series, Face to Face. Eight-year-old Arkinia Graham has never met her father. They've grown close over the phone, but Johnny Trey Williams is serving 23 years in prison for second-degree murder. I'm excited to see you, and I'm nervous. Today, she and nearly 30 other kids are getting a special visit with their dads, designed to prevent the kind of damage kids suffer when a parent is in prison. Like they're going to have they are just some of the nearly three million children in this country with a mom or dad behind bars. Ethan Buckner is seven. Amaya Matthews is nine. She and her little brother live three hours away. So how excited are you to see your dad? Very. Like I can jump super high. You're so excited, I know. My dad told me that there's this one guy that hasn't met his daughter. She's here. You want to meet her? Amaya has visited before, but today is different. Arkenia, I want you to meet Amaya. She heard about you. Meeting your dad behind bars is a really big deal. Why is it a big deal? Like, this is the one time you can, like, sit in his lap, let him hug you. He can't get up at all. Welcome in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This is Lamont Banks with AJC Radio. And tonight, folks, we visit a very serious topic. The silent, the silent victims of incarceration. Tonight we deal with the children, how they are coping, the trauma, the tragedy. Folks, this is going to be a tearjerker. Hang on to your seats. AJC Radio takes off right now. And there you have it, folks. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And, folks, this is a topic that... uh, is very important. As we talk about criminal justice reform, we talk about the things that have to change. One little huge piece of the puzzle seems to go missing, and those are the children of the incarcerated. And let a, not only those that are incarcerated, but then the other side of the coin, the, those that have been wrongfully convicted, and the adjustments that have to be made by these children is astronomical. We're going to deal with that issue tonight. And before we get going, Lisa, the disclaimer for our folks, please. Yes, we'd like to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. You'll want to contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. 
And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. We're going to be dealing with uh, and talking to a few people tonight. Uh, we're looking for Amy Wick. She is a huge advocate uh, out there on Facebook, working a lot with the issues dealing with children uh, and any type of injustice, if you will. She's addressing that. Terrence Gutierrez, uh, talk to him also. Uh, he is going to speak from the perspective as a father, uh, one whose children have been suffering as a result of our system. Uh, and we have uh, another young lady, not confirmed yet, so we'll hold off on the name at this point. Uh, but, folks, this is a very serious issue. Uh, also, joining us in the studio, uh, some family members of the IRP6. And who are the IRP6? David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, and Demetrius Harper and Clinton Stewart. Uh, these are direct victims of the injustice that has shaped uh, the IRP6 case. Uh, and the suffering and the sadness and all the things that go with a wrongful conviction and a system, really, Dennis, that has gone broke. We're looking to try to hopefully fix those problems. Your thoughts on that, Dennis? Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous, you know, when uh, when when you have you have the evidence, you have you have what you need to show that someone is innocent, and you refuse to use it or or refuse to even look at it to. To see if maybe or not you could you know you can turn that conviction around. This, this our justice system is so into a win-win. You know, it's it's always a battle. You know, it's uh, it's this one against this one, and in the end, there's somebody's gonna lose out because we're all about winning, not about justice, not about right, not about wrong. No, absolutely. And I think one point to be noted, Cliff. We were talking pre- uh, a few moments ago. Uh, in regards, some of these people, and this is how broken the system is, we do understand there are people that are in prison that are guilty of the crimes that they committed. Exactly. However, the system itself is supposed to be a place of rehabilitation, a place that if there have been bad choices made, Cliff, it you least give fathers and mothers the opportunity uh, to have a relationship with their kids upon getting out. But the system is so slated the other way, it almost seems impossible for them to get that opportunity. Absolutely. And what you end up seeing is that you know the prison is supposed to be the punishment. Your 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 freedom is taken away. If you committed a crime, your freedom is taken away. You are put behind bars. You cannot have uh, you know twenty four hour time with your family, and yet the system sets up to not only punish the prisoner but also punish the family. And you know one of the things that I thought was uh, you know not comical kind of. Uh, pretty much insane is when sure. they had brochures from I don't know where it was from one one institution that we had uh, visit and they had this uh, they had a picture of the visitation room on the front and they had these plush chairs uh, that you know everything was pristine everything looked wonderful and it it was the farthest thing from the truth and these are things that they're they're passing out to children saying this is where right. your father is. That the place, the visitation center looks nothing like what's on their brochure. That is a plastic, uh, pretty much you know, play school. Uh, I mean, cool. a preschool chair that is not fit really for an adult to sit in. And but the the system, the correction system, sets out to put up this facade to say this is where your your family member is uh, is spending time, and it is just not the case. No, absolutely, Cliff. And, and these are things that we have to address uh, on this program. And I think as, as Lisa, as lawmakers, as you and I and, and, and Cliff have had the opportunity to sit down with legislators in Washington, 
the big push is reform. Uh, reform is a broad stroke of the system. And I'll tell you right now, Lisa, as, as we have seen with legislators, the children have not been considered, at least in conversation, of why criminal justice reform is needed. Who are the silent victims? And that's why this show deals with the silent victims of incarceration. Those are the children that are left behind. And whether you're guilty, perhaps of a crime, are you working to rehabilitate that inmate, that prisoner, to make him a better father, to make him a better husband, whatever the case is, and to make him a productive citizen of society? Then you have, which we're going to deal with tonight, the wrongfully convicted. Right. Those that have been stripped from their homes wrongfully, without cause. That trauma is larger. It's greater. For one reason, Lisa, because when a child knows that their parents are raising them to do the right thing, and the system comes in and does what they did as the poster child in the RP6 case, how disheartening is that? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you have children dealing with the issues that their parents are incarcerated wrongfully, that is something that's going to affect them in a in a negative way for a very long time because it makes them, I mean, you have young minds who are impressionable and they're growing up realizing that our system is jacked up. And I mean, if they if their parents have broken the law, then it teaches them that you don't break the law. If you abide by the law, that doesn't happen. Then you have these kind of situations where the parents have not broken the law and they're locked up anyway. And so That's it distorts right. their view of, of what's right and what's wrong. You can't, it's hard to to help let them see what the things are supposed to be like when they're seeing things going backwards and sideways and crooked. No, absolutely. And those, again, those are things we're going to be dealing with tonight. Listen to this statistic. Uh, one in 14 children in America has had incarcerated parents uh, behind bars. Okay? One in 14 out of the number of people in this country. And it says here one in eight Four children have a parent incarcerated. One in nine black children have a parent incarcerated. Uh, you can say what you want, folks, and I tell you what, the system has given us a inside look, if you will, of how many of those people should not even be locked up. How many of those people are innocent but have not had their cases reversed? How many innocent people sit in prison and have lost their children their wives, their mothers, their fathers, as a result of a system that has gone completely and has gone completely in disarray. We're going to deal with that issue tonight, folks. Uh, if you want to join in the conversation tonight, we would love to hear from you tonight. Call in the three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six. That's three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six. Call in. We want to hear from you tonight in regards to the children. And the uh, the impact of incarceration with those children. We're going to go to some current events right now. We are going to definitely get back to that. Um, uh, this story comes out of South Carolina. Uh, it says here a South Carolina officer shoots unarmed white teen during a pot bust. Uh, and uh, this, this story comes from CNN. And uh, just listen a little bit what they say here. Zachary Hammond was shot to death during a drug investigation outside a fast food restaurant on July 26th. Seneca Police Department says the officer fired in self-defense when Hammond tried to run him over with a car, but a private autopsy indicates the car wasn't moving when he was shot, an attorney for the family says. So they're saying here that basically he shot this kid, 
um, because he was trying to run on with the car, but the evidence doesn't support that argument. Dennis, when you hear about that, and I'll tell you what, I don't care if you're white, you're black, red, yellow, blue, green, whatever color you are, that's wrong. And we're going we're gonna to deal with those levels of injustice. This white teen was, te- you're talking about a pot. Let's go further into the story. Uh, CNN's reports, you think you've heard this story before. A young unarmed man is shot to death by a police officer. Black activists are outraged. The only difference with this scenario is that the young man was not black but white. Uh, 19-year-old Zachary Hammond was on a date July 26 when he was fatally shot by a police officer while in park while in a parking lot at a Hardy's fast food restaurant in Seneca, South Carolina. According to Eric Lamb, the attorney representing the team's family, the police department said the officer was conducting a drug investigation and shot Hammond in self-defense. He was a uni- uh, un- excuse me he was a uniformed officer. He was in a marked vehicle was out of his vehicle on foot approaching the suspect vehicle, weapon drawn, given it was a narcotics type of a violation. Now, it goes further to say, Senate Police Chief John Kennedy said to CNN in Greenville, he added that the officer is now on administrative leave. Well, if it's justified shooting and there was no issues, why is he on leave already? That's a good question. Why is he on leave? Because there's some questions about that. Cliff? Well, the the bigger question is, is the autopsy shows that he was shot from the side window. If a car is coming towards you, accelerating, wow. going to run you over, how did you get in oh, wow. the The officer is the flash, so he's a superhero. <laughs> how do you get in position to be at the side of the window uh, to, to shoot this kid? And you're talking about he had a joint, uh, enough marijuana to make a cigarette, and he's dead. And it says here, Cliff, he was a 19-year-old, 121-pound kid ill. 121 pounds, buck 21, he's not a threat to anybody. That's why they had to make the car the threat. You know, we got to come up with a story. You know what I'm saying? Because no one's going to believe a 121-pound kid was a threat. So we're going to throw the uh, car in it that that he was actually trying to run the police officer over. So now I have, uh, you know, the right to shoot him, shoot and kill to defend myself. Well, here's the here's the here's the kicker. Uh, the autopsy ruled the death was a homicide. They ruled it a homicide because there's no evidence that supports uh, that this man was a threat to this officer. And ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. Black lives matter, but this white man's life matters. That's right. This All is a kid matter. that was shot to death over a joint, which is now becoming a revolution or a movement. To be legalized all over the United States. Exactly. And you shot this kid for a joint. And to your point, Cliff, shot him from the, in the side window. Well, how was he driving the car sideways? Yeah. Oh, he, Tokyo Drift, they slide <laughs> the car sideways toward the police officer. It makes no sense. The officer cannot justify that he shot this kid saying, I thought I was going to get ran over. Of course, my life was in danger. Well, uh, well, Cliff, now I just say later or further in the article that if not for Lieutenant Taylor's quick reflexes and his ability to push off the car, he would have easily been run over by uh, by the young man he shot. I guess he was going to be run over by that uh, that uh, that non-moving vehicle. That's why I say he splashed because he pushed the car off as he got. This is ridiculous. And now here you have this young kid whose life is snuffed out for no reason except I mean there there who knows what was going through this top but uh, obviously. You shoot him through the side window. Your life is not in danger of the car hitting you, uh, you know, when you shoot somebody from the side. And they said that 
that they still are asking for the uh, the person who did the autopsy, the the medical examiner, to let them know basically if there was um, you know gunshot residue on the on the shirt right, to show right. how close the cop was when he shot him. Now that that will show the story. Probably shot him at point blank range. That's typically how it's done. Well, it's it's, just, uh, it's tragic. It's amazing. And folks, these are issues we will continue to address on this program. Uh, injustice is injustice, and I am equally as outraged that this white man was killed as I'm outraged as a black man is killed because right. the system is out of control, and we need to address those issues. And our condolences to his family, and our prayers and thoughts are with his family uh, in regards to this loss. We are very, very sorry uh, about that. That's just really uh, over the top. Uh, Cliff, we were talking earlier. We're going to dig into this uh, probably sometime during this program, Cliff, and we're going to be doing – uh, some further investigation on this as well. Regarding Judge Christine Arguello, uh, well, there's some people outraged up in uh, uh, here in Colorado in regards to her ruling uh, and sentencing. We had we discussed it on the show a few weeks ago regarding the six-month sentence that was given to a doctor uh, who basically did some things that cost four patients their lives. Uh, he he was just really a criminal. Uh, and the judge slapped him on the wrist. Well, people are outraged, and they're talking about it uh, here in Colorado. Cliff, you're Yeah, up. and very well they should. But now, Judge Arquell, in the in the uh, you know initial sentencing, she said that the families were not allowed to speak, that they were allowed to send letters in, and that she would read those and take that into consideration. Now she is backtracking with a lie, saying <laughs> that she forgot to allow the families the opportunity before the sentence and these are the type of things that you say you know well why do you guys talk about uh judge christine arguello why what is what is your particular problem with her when you have a judge who is rogue who who takes the law and bends it and twists it for her own whatever to to say that the family had no right to speak before sentencing these are people's family members who died and now to try to backtrack off that and use the excuse that well who I forgot. Oh. You don't forget wow. How do you when forget lives that? are lost and you're, you are an officer, the highest officer of the court, a federal judge appointed by the president, the, the uh, most powerful office in the world, and you do not come back and say, I have, I forgot to be an advocate for the victims in the process. Wow. Well, that, that's not the way it works. Well, number one, it, it goes against protocol, period. I don't care if you're in a two-man, two-seat courthouse uh, in the backwoods somewhere in this country. Uh, victims are allowed to give a statement uh, in regards to victims. It's a victim's statement in, that who are victims of the crime. Uh, this is a judge, again, that continues her pattern of lying and abuse in our system. And now people are talking about it. We will continue to talk about it. We will continue to address it because these actions build a very clear picture of what we have been talking about, about the IRP-6. Folks need to, you know, if it keeps sounding like a duck, it's it's a duck. If it continues just over, these are patterns of abuse of what we're dealing with here. These are patterns of behavior. These are patterns of violations and inconsistencies and the breaking of the law and the uh, the lack of feeling for victims and all that's involved with this judge the puzzle is becoming, becoming very, very clear here, that her actions are not isolated. This is a continual pattern of abuse. And we're going to continue to deal with that, folks. 
stand by. There'll be a press release going out to that effect. And we will continue to deal with this issue and this corrupt judge that sits on a bench and continues to violate the Constitution of the United States and the protocol of the court. We will continue to deal with that issue. Folks, we're getting ready to go on the other side of this, come back on the other side of this break. Tonight, the silent victims of incarcerated parents, and we're going to deal with some issues that are critically important you need to pay attention to. Folks, grab the kiddies. Right now in New York City, it's 45 degrees. Colorado Springs, 53 and partly sunny. In Los Angeles, 69 and beautiful. And in our nation's capital, 65 clouds and some sunshine. Folks, spring is upon us. And hang in there, folks. We're coming right back here. I'm Lamont Banks. And feel free to call in and get involved in this show, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. The silent victim of the incarcerated parents in our nation. We're going to deal with that when we come back. We'll be right back. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult Adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's author. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events, And maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff 
but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll-free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And tonight, folks, we deal with an issue regarding the silent victims of the incarcerated, the wrongfully convicted, however you want to put it, and however whatever the, however the title fits. And tonight, we deal with issues not only from the children. We hear from the wives, the mothers who are dealing with these children, missing their parents, who have been locked up. Tonight, we have in studio uh, family members of the IRP6, uh, and we're going to ask them some questions tonight. We have Tiffany Stewart, Kayla Harper, Braylon Harper, Tisha Barnes, and Kia Banks. And uh, we're going to deal with some issues tonight, folks, that need to be dealt with. I think many times during the, uh, the, the, the situation, if you will, or the pain, we miss the truth meaning of what incarceration does to families. It is as clear and as big as a tsunami coming through your front door unexpectedly. And that still doesn't do it justice. And tonight we're going to deal with those issues. And uh, Tisha, welcome to the program tonight. We appreciate you joining us uh, for a couple of minutes. Um, And uh, we're going to go ahead and get into some discussion. There's been some things uh, in regards to the RP6. We know about the injustice that happened here. We know about the wrongdoing here. We know about these men being men of integrity, of honesty, of good report in their communities, at their jobs. And and as Kendrick Barnes, and ladies and gentlemen, this is the wife of Kendrick Barnes, uh, who has dealt with this type of pain. Uh, Tisha, and I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, You have lived this nightmare in regards to the RP6 and personally your husband, Kendrick, being stripped, being taken away from you in a moment. How painful has that been? Um, I think that the hardest part of it was um, when they actually took him um, at the at the sentencing. I think there's been, you know, days in between holidays, anniversaries, just special occasions that you miss that you just kind of take for granted in day-to-day life. But, you know, um, it's time that we're not going to get back. And, you know, it's that that's the hard part is that... You know, nobody seems to care. Nobody's going to change it. 
but uh, you know we just need to we have to live with it and we have to work through it every day and and move on until you know we get them back home. And we fight for justice here at AJC Radio and it just calls to bring Kendrick home. Um, Tisha, the uh, first night that you had to walk in that house and Kendrick was not there. Take take the take the American people there for a moment. Um, it, it's hard. Um, you know, we don't have kids. Um, you know, our our only child is a four legged uh, kid. His name is Stevie. But I mean, it, it's just been, you know, it's just been, you know, figuring out how to make it work and move on with things as they are. You know, I can't dwell too long on you know all the stuff that happened because I don't want to be angry and I don't want to be bitter. You know, I just, you know, I see the justice system for what it is. Um, I see the injustice that took place here, but, you know, I don't live there. I don't dwell dwell there. I just try to, you know, face every day and and move on as best as I can. Okay, and uh, thank you, Tisha, for that. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, One last question. Uh, How long were you and Kendrick uh, married before this happened? I don't know, but right now, I can tell you right now, we're nine years in. And uh, thank you, Tisha. We appreciate that. And and folks, make no mistake about it. If that is your mother, your sister, your brother, we're not just dealing with the IRP6 tonight. We're dealing with everybody that has suffered. I mean, to come home as a wife. To walk in that house, to go in that bedroom, to go in that kitchen, the memories of your husband there. And he's gone. For no reason. That is, Those are things that have to be dealt with and need to be looked at uh, on a very consistent basis. And now I want to talk to the children of the RP6. And I'm going to start with Tiffany. And Tiffany, your father, Clint Stewart, was stripped from you, from your life. How old were you when he got taken away? I was 17. Um, It was three days before my 18th birthday. So your dad, I mean, take us there. You come home, do you get a phone call that my dad is never coming back for a long time? What, take us down that journey of what happened? Well, the morning that um, IRP6, they went to court, um, we had, my dad and I had stayed up all night just talking about um, their case and what they were going through because I didn't know. Um, He's trying to protect me from, um, I guess, the hurt of it all um, because we were going through a lot at that time. And um, he didn't let me know until until they were about to go to prison. So I had I had no idea. Um, Single parent. Um, Like I said, three days before my 18th birthday, I was just sitting there in awe. And I'm like, what am I about to do? I'm alone. I don't have nobody else in the house but my dad and now he's gone so when he left I was just I was just stuck I was it was like life is on pause and then when my birthday rolled around it it was like it wasn't a birthday when Christmas rolled around it was it was like it's not Christmas Thanksgivings um it's not it's not the same and it's not ever going to be the same um I just think about everything that's that has gone on in my life. Um, I got my license. He wasn't there. Um, I got my first job. He wasn't there. Um, I graduated from high school. 
he wasn't there. I entered into college. He wasn't there. And it's it sucks. It really does. Now, when you you came home, your dad, it, I would it sounds like somebody that has died. Yeah. I mean, that's the emotion or the feeling that you get um when you walk through the house and went into your dad's room, the anguish, the tears. If you could count the tears that have fallen, how many have fallen? You can't count it. You visit your dad? Every day. I mean, not every day, every week. How's that moment? Um, it's refreshing, but at the same time, um, when you leave, okay, I mean, because when you're there, you see him and you get to talk to him. You enjoy that part, but you want... I hate seeing him in those green clothes. I hate seeing him because my dad, he's, you know, he's a very fly individual, you know. Um, so to see him in some tacky, dingy, wrinkled, just this uniform that's completely not him in some ugly boots that, I mean, it, it sucks. It really sucks. And you're in this dull room with all these people that are just around you and you know all these inmates it's it's very depressing just to sit there and you know you you look back at the times you had when he was free the times um because our thing you know we like to eat whatever but um you sit back and you look at those times and it's not the same i've went through a situation um about a year ago that I was just sitting there and I was I was eating some food and I I related to this because I like to eat but um, I was sitting there and I'm like man I don't even like eating no more because that was our thing together that he he loves to cook so he would cook for me and it was like it's like now it it sucks it's like I I just I go through the basically go through the motion really and ladies and gentlemen Cliff when you hear that um what does that do to you? I mean, you're talking about a young girl depending on her dad, a single parent. And we talk about kids and the problems with teenagers and growing up without direction. Tiffany, your dad was that direction. You take them, Cliff, from that. What can befall a teen on the streets in America today when such actions are taken? Well, what it shows you is the callousness of, uh, again, you know, Judge Christine Arguelle, because I recall um, that Judge Arguelle basically said about Tiffany that, you know, she would be okay. You're talking about a minor here. You're talking about a young girl who, uh, you know, her father ensured, like she said, that that she was, you know, she was shielded from everything that was going on, that, you know, she was sheltered from uh you know from pretty much from rough life and for the judge to say well she'll be okay she'll make it it's like no you still have a minor here that has no guardian um and you know from where i'm from that is a very vulnerable situation you take a young 17 year old girl who doesn't have anybody to take care of her all it takes is one predator to realize what's going on and that situation can turn very bad very quickly but you look at, uh, you know, and, and not all judges, perhaps, but in this situation, Judge Christine Arguell, that says, well, she'll be okay. How do you make that statement? How do you ascertain the fact that 
this particular person. You don't know the mindset. This is a minor, somebody who needs a guardian. And so it just really, uh, from my perspective, just shows how callous the system can be. I mean, not only to be convicted, um, you know, wrongfully, to be charged with a crime that you never committed, then to be put in prison, but then to have to leave your minor child with, I mean, in essence, no one, uh, you know, he goes to prison and it's like, okay, you leave, you leave my daughter out there and you say she'll just be okay. Well, I'll tell you this, folks. The one major issue with incarceration is this. Whether it's wrongful, in this case, with the IRP-6, a wrongful conviction says here that most research finds negative outcomes for these children, such as childhood health and behavioral problems and grade retention. Children who grow up with a parent in prison are more likely to suffer from poor mental and physical health in adulthood. Why have we not heard these numbers? And when Tiffany shares, you share your heart. My father, America, we need you to go there tonight. If you have a young teenager and they came into your home tonight, took, your, took the father or the mother out of that home, what impact would that have on little Johnny or little Susie? Or who, what impact is that? It doesn't matter whether you're six years old or you're 18 years old. You have taken, you basically blown the roof off of my life. And in Tiffany's case, and you, you have to, America needs to go there. What if that was my father that I got up with, that I talked to every day, that I played with, and we did fun things together? When you take a man's liberty from him, you have not only hurt that man, you have hurt countless others who will suffer as a result of him being gone or her being gone. And America needs to take a good look at that tonight. Children, the silent victims, that they're not speaking a whole lot. They don't know how to uh, deal with the pain. They don't know how to speak to the pain because they feel like, well, I'm just a kid. Do I even matter? You should matter here in the United States of America. The children have a voice. Children have a purpose. We are talking the future of this country. And that is something that needs to be looked at. And uh, we're going to deal with that uh, tonight. And uh, we've been joined in the studio also by Tasha Harper, uh, the wife of Demetrius Harper. Her two children are here. Uh, we're getting ready to address this issue uh, on the other side of this break. Folks, you need to call everybody you know to tune in to this program tonight. Too many times the silent and those without a voice go unheard. Tonight, AJC Radio sets the platform that we hear from the silent victims, who are they? The children, the mothers, the sisters, the brothers that feel disillusioned to a system that has failed. We're coming right back. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Demetrius Harper, and the IRP6 families telling their story of the damage of the incarcerated. We'll be right back. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. 
But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage, and even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, they each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to AJC Radio. This is Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Barrett. And we welcome you back to the program tonight as we are dealing with an issue tonight in regards to the uh, silent victims of the, the wrongfully incarcerated and the regularly incarcerated, if you want to separate the two. Uh, but the impact that it's having on children, uh, on people across this country, and we are addressing that issue tonight. And uh, Lisa, as we have been in discussion tonight and we have talked uh, in regards to this, what are your thoughts when you hear uh, what you've heard from a couple of the IRP6 families tonight? It kind of gives you chills, uh, really makes you really outraged at this system doing this to these people. Well, Lamont, it, just, it makes you realize that the system doesn't care. It just they don't They don't care about who who they're affecting. They don't care when these judges and these prosecutors go out and they uh, 
harass people and they go out to to prosecute people unjustly and to incarcerate them unjustly. They don't give any concern to the people that that that's affecting. They don't concern themselves with the with the devastation that they're unleashing on the families of these people. And it's just, it's 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 disheartening. It's very disheartening because they should somewhere if they're if they're human, there should be a conscience in there somewhere that says I can't do this to these families. No, absolutely, and that is the uh, the true essence of what we're talking about tonight, folks. I am I'm really saddened, honestly, Dennis. When you hear, I'm going to come back to you, but I got to go back to a point. I was talking to Tiffany during break, Tiffany, and uh, we have dealt with an issue that children have gone as far as wanting to commit suicide. Uh, we have a story, Michael Anderson. You you know the show we did on him. Uh, that we felt, uh, based upon his family, uh, uh, was taken from him wrongfully by the Florence prison. Uh, we believe him. We believe he was uh, killed uh, in solitary confinement. His son, Trevor Anderson, took his life in November, I believe, of last year, and said he all he's left behind. I missed my dad. And do you know what his dad was in prison for? A little bit of drugs. Wow. Nothing. He had two years left to go on his sentence. A little bit of drugs. We lost an 18-year-old, I believe, 19-year-old man uh, who was killed. Who killed himself with a 45 in the woods by himself and said he could not deal with the pressure anymore. Ladies and gentlemen of America, make no mistake about it. These are the victims of our system. How does he get up? You got a mother who lost a grandson and a son within a very, very close uh, proximity. And we say we have the best system in the world. I, I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. We do not, and we're far from it. Uh, feel free to call into the show tonight, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976 as we get involved with this conversation. And Cliff, I believe we have a caller. Yes, we have a, excuse me, I have a caller online, Ethel, who wants to make a comment about what she is uh, hearing on tonight's show. And uh, Ethel, you're live. Go ahead with your comment. Yes, thank yes. you so much for taking my call. I truly appreciate it. And I, I just wanted to just say I, I really appreciate you guys for putting on this, this particular uh, show tonight because, my God, we can only imagine how many families that are going through this this situation right now how many and 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 many of them are are crying out for help there's nobody to help them so many of them they don't have funds you know that they that they are able to pay somebody to to take a look at their at their their loved ones cases and 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 so they 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 languish in prison and and the children grow up without their parent there without you know what they what they need to 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 be able to guide them and direct them and 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 I was listening to Tiffany and 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 my heart aches for Tiffany you know to be um an only child and and to have a judge just haul her 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 parent off just like that and without any care in the world you have to be a completely heartless 
uh, uh, individual to do some stuff like that, to not even not even take a care in the world about what it is that you're doing. I mean, God, God help us. That's that is just totally insane. How how can anybody even go there? And I just I just want to you know wanted to say thank you so much for 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 this this show. And and God, I hope people are listening to this because this is this is amazing, and it is an eye opener to other people to reach out and do something, whatever you can to be a help, please. And I thank you for taking my call tonight. And thank you for the call, Ethel. And 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 you know, Dennis, when you hear that from the caller, uh, this gets to you. It really does. This, uh, I mean, just listening to the show as a host uh, is painful. But it's true. And, and I think that if uh, America, I mean, if America could hear the children cry, if they could hear the children uh, stress their concerns about, you know, the separation that they have to deal with and, and all, all the pain that, that's involved. And again, when someone's rightfully convicted, it still hurts. So you can imagine a child that knows their parents did not do anything wrong and is now in prison and has been taken away from him. It hurts me and I'm sure the American people are listening tonight. They're saying to themselves like, wow, maybe we need to get involved. Maybe we need to let our voices be heard. Something has to be done. Again, you said it so clearly. Everybody thinks the American justice system is the greatest thing ever. Well, it's not. Well, we continue to have lives lost. These are what we call the casualties of a system that has failed. These are This is collateral damage of a system that has failed. And we were talking earlier in regards to the suicide rate among teens, among people, because their loved ones have been taken away. I want you to digest that and really chew on that very seriously. Um. Tiffany points bouts of depression, sadness, loneliness. I would presume all those fit your category of what you've dealt with in the three and a half years, Lisa, I believe, is the length of time that the IRP6 have been locked up. Is that correct? It'll be four years in July. We're going on four years, and you can't get that time back. Um, Those are things that need to be uh, dealt with. So we're going to continue to speak to that issue uh, tonight and right now we're going to get ready to go to Braylon Harper um, and Braylon uh, welcome to the program how old are you 10 years old 10 years old <clears throat> and uh, Braylon you love your dad yes you tired of crying yes I miss him really bad all I remember is he, him telling me that it's going to be okay. I was like, what's going to happen? I didn't know until the first time he, we visited him. I don't know why they did this, but I really want him back. Yes, I understand. And, and folks, uh, as you can tell, the emotion, and Braylon, it's okay. Um, first Christmas morning, going down the steps to open Christmas presents. Uh, how sad were you that morning about your dad? Like when when my dad was there, it was like opening up presents, laughing, playing board games, having fun. But now it's like so there's something missing, and yeah, I felt really sad. 
I didn't know what was going on. Did Dad used to tuck you in at night? Did Dad, yes. He tucked you in. And Mom's had to pick up the pieces there, I would presume. Uh, Braylon, thanks for being brave tonight to share your pain. And we're fighting and we're doing everything we can to bring your daddy home. Okay? Okay. All right. We appreciate you. And it takes some courage. Uh, Cliff, uh, 10-year-old boy, pain is evident. Heartbreak is evident. And we sit by and idly, casually, never think of the silent victims. Not at all. Of the wrongfully incarcerated. Brother, thank you for your bravery. Kayla, that's his sister. Uh, how old are you? 17. 17. And you were a little, uh, a lot younger four years ago, uh, going through school, going through challenges, grades, uh, boys, uh, all the things that come with adolescence. Well, it comes with teenage years, if you will. And tell me a little bit about your heart tonight in regards to your dad. Words can't describe how broken a person can get through the situation and I just I don't feel complete without my dad and things are just so so different I've had to like, we all as children have had to like grow up and mature faster than any normal teenager I had to go through high school I'm about to graduate I had to go through high school alone and I mean yeah my mom's there but my dad it's, it's, it's a different it's a, just sure. a different thing, feeling okay. when you lay down at night and you need dad to come in and give you a comforting hug or a pat on the back saying good job and dad's not there it's like a death how many tears do you cry it has to be overwhelming and it's not just like all the tears it, it could be a sad tear it could be just mad sure but there's like, you know, God holds your tears in a, in a jar. That's just that's that, that would have to be a big jar. But there's sure. just too many tears. And how do you feel? You're 18 years old. I presume going to college. When you look at the justice system, Kayla. You know, when I was growing up, I was I never thought the justice system what it it actually was what it actually is. I thought, hey, you know, uh, and my mom taught me this. You do the right thing, you'll be fine. As you grow up into a young lady, 18 years old, you're an adult. You're 18 now, right? 17. 17. Close to 18? Close to. All right. And life changes a little bit now. You need dad there. You want dad there. As you grow into a young lady, how saddened are you by a system that puts your dad there? A system that we, as like children, have been taught with history. Oh, this is the best system. People love it. But when you sit in class and they're talking about how good it is, you're just you're just in your mind. You're just this isn't true because I we have front row seats to what this system is and everything that is gone like that we've been through. Sure. Well, mm. well, there you have it, folks. We're going to ask you to call in to the show tonight, be a part of this discussion. 347-838-8976. 347-838-8976. We turn our attention now to Tasha Harper, uh, the wife and actually the mother of the two children you just heard from. 
And we had to pass the clinic box around here in studio because of the emotion of this situation. And Tasha, thanks for joining us tonight and being a part of this. Um, I cannot even imagine the loss you feel, the tears that have fallen, the pain that has fallen. And to see your young boy here, Braylon, 10 years old, crying in pain. As a mother, take us on the trip where you are now with the absence of Demetrius. Uh, right now, it's uh, like you said, it's almost been four years. It's been, I'm not going to say some days are good, some days are bad. It's been a really, uh, it's been a hard adjustment. Um, I was listening to uh, the radio when you were talking to Tisha about that first night. Was that that first night when you come home? And you're so used to your spouse being there. You come in the house and, you know, you get ready for bed and everything. You're used to them being right there next to the bed with you. And there's nobody there. You're by yourself. And, you know, I, I'm really thankful for my brother because my brother came and he stayed. He stayed at my house about a week, you know, because he was concerned. He didn't want us to be alone. You know, just to have like a male presence in the house, you know, just to make sure we were okay. But um, it's a it's a really lonely feeling. It's hard. I mean, the companionship, the you have to basically. My heart goes out to single parents. They do not. I mean, especially single moms. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, doing appointments. Scheduling appointments, having to work, having to get off. You're you're used to okay, I'll handle this part, you take that part. Everything is on you. It's it's all on you and you've got to get it done and you know, you man up and you do it, but there's definitely a loneliness that's there. And Tasha, when you see Braylon, the tears only the heart of a mother can connect with the pain of a child and your child. Uh we sit in the studio tonight, Braylon before he even started talking, was torn up. America needs to make some changes. These are six men. I'll say it again, this show dedicated to them. David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, and Clinton Stewart. Six men, but how many lives have been affected? I'll tell you right now, folks, when you go to prison, you're not the only one that's going there. Your family does day for day with you. There's not a moment you don't lay down, Tasha, Braylon, Kayla, Tiffany, Kia, that you don't lay down and you think of where they're laying tonight. You don't sit down at a kitchen table to eat dinner without thinking, what are they eating? You don't shed a tear without thinking of their tears. This is injustice in America, ladies and gentlemen, and something must be done. Cliff, when you, and I'll defer to you on this, what does America need to do? They need to be educated on what's going on in these prisons, what, what we're doing tonight, letting you hear from the actual hearts of those that have been affected. How do we change it? I mean, I, I think it takes more than... Uh 
you know, just education. The, the the sad thing about it is most of the times the general public does not get involved until it actually, uh, you know, affects them directly. Until it comes home, until they're the person that, uh, until they're the person that, you know, is laying at home at night without their spouse, until their child is the one that uh, that's crying and they have to console. That's when typically a person gets involved. And so, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it takes that, that we need to educate people to say, hey, you know, join in the fight. Uh, you know, let your voice be heard about doing something to help. But I don't know what else. What else do you do? I mean, you give them the story. You let the families come on and uh, and say how they feel, what they've gone through. Um, but all we can do is try to encourage everybody to say, hey, try to put yourself in the position of these families. Try to say, hey, you know, how would I feel if it were me? And in my humanity, why don't I put myself there to say, hey, this could be me? Uh, because to be wrongfully convicted, it, it, all, it doesn't even take having to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can be in the right place, doing everything right, and the federal government can come after you. I mean, there's a reason that there's a saying that uh, goes that the government can indict a ham sandwich because if they bring you before a grand jury, typically there's an indictment that comes down. And if there's an indictment, there is a conviction. And thank you for that, Cliff. And you know what, Dennis, Lisa, how very true that is. That, uh, And I think, Cliff, to your point, it does go beyond education. Uh, it goes beyond that. It be go- we have to get down in the trenches and talk to the folks and let them know what's going on. And it seems like the people who are fighting the most are those who are living the nightmare. Exactly. And we're hoping that we don't have to live the nightmare and go ahead and at least get people to say, you know what, what are we going to do? Are we going to just sit idly by and say, Braylon, don't worry about it. Your tears don't mean nothing. Tiffany, your tears don't mean nothing. Your depression doesn't mean nothing. Tasha, your pain doesn't mean And these are one of thousands. Thousands upon thousands of people who go to bed with the same pain, the same disappointment, the same things that are going on. And, and these are things that actually have to be dealt with. And, and I, I appreciate uh, this opportunity at AJC Radio to address these issues. And uh, we're going to continue to address those issues. Kia, we introduce Kia Banks now. She, her father, uh, my brother, David Banks, wrongfully convicted, one of the IRP6. And Kia, we're going to take a journey with you tonight. You have the utmost level of respect for your father. Yeah. Um, he raised me that. If you don't break the law, if you do everything right, you won't end up in prison. That's how his parents raised him. That's how he raised me. And up until I was 16, I believe that. Uh, I first saw my aunt go to prison for a crime she didn't commit. And that was the living end. And I didn't know that it could get worse than that until I was 18. And I went to my father's trial because I want to be an attorney. And so... I was there for his trial, and I watched him defend himself, represent himself pro se, and he did a wonderful job. And I thought, they have the facts, they have the truth, they won't go to prison. They're telling the truth, they're not lying about anything, they didn't do anything wrong. But, um, 
it doesn't matter what you say in the court of law. It's about how the prosecution wants to spin something, or if they want a conviction, they will get one whether you're guilty or innocent, and that's just it. And you're in college right now, is that correct? That's correct. Dad's not there to to edge you on, to motivate you. I'm sure he's there to motivate you, but it's different doing it from where he is versus uh, having him there. How difficult is that? Well, um, I got accepted into college the same day he got uh, taken into custody. And so um, I got a call from my school, an informal notification that I had been accepted uh, just from the office telling me um, we want to welcome you Ms. Bankstar University you'll be getting a formal letter within, in the mail within the next week and so uh, my mother had gone up to his sentencing that day so when I got off the phone with them I called my mother ex- as fast as I could and I told her please tell dad I just got into UCCS and she said they're taking him out of the courtroom right now and I asked her, I said, please, Mom, please, tell him right now. And she said, they're taking him. I said, Mom, Jake, tell him now, because I don't know when I'm going to get to talk to him. And so she just, she blurted it out in the courtroom. And I didn't get to tell him myself. My mother was the only medium that I had to tell my father at that moment, Dad, the work I did, I got in, I was accepted. And there... There's nothing that's going to bring that back for me. There's nobody that can give that back to me. And so I don't, I can't make people feel what I feel because if, I don't know, if people across the country, if the legal system, if the judge, people could just feel that. Maybe they would think about their actions and their choices and maybe it would make them do right. But I don't even think that would do it because people are too cold. They're too callous. If they're not walking in your shoes, they can't feel what you feel. First night, and Kia, we're going to come back to you. Folks, this is serious business. Uh, We're going to go to a caller. Kia, we're coming right back to you. We're going to go to the next caller. Cliff, who is it? Uh, Yes, we have uh, Lawana on the line who wants to make a comment. And uh, Okay, and and we're going to hear from her. Lawana, go ahead. You are live. Wanted you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, yes. Um uh, my heart aches for these families, these children, these wives. When I think about sitting in a courtroom and your a loved one who you've been with all your life that hasn't done anything wrong. It's bad enough if they've done something wrong. The pain has got to be surreal. But what I don't understand is how do you call yourself a human being? I don't have to walk in your shoes to feel your pain. I don't have to go through it to be no white because... It, 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 you feel it's from it's from heart to heart and breast to breast. It's from it's from uh, understanding. If I'm in the human race, if I'm a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, uh, an uncle, an aunt, a grandmother, a grandfather, a whatever, it's impossible. How do you not feel someone's pain? 
That is impossible. These people, the reason they don't care about convicting innocent people and trying to destroy the, the families and the lives, they don't care because they have an agenda. Their agenda is put as many people behind bars as possible. Get as many convictions as possible. Stop someone from getting ahead as much as you possibly can. If we don't get our uh, our way and, and, and what we want done, then we, we do whatever necessary to stop this because we want to get we want it to be our agenda fixed and done and what we want to do. It makes me sick to think about that you are so bent on doing what you want to do to the destroying of lives, of children, of families. It doesn't even enter the picture. And when you can take someone's loved one in a courtroom and, and, and put them in shackles and handcuffs, with the family sitting there looking on, and you don't have the least bit of compassion or concern. It, there, it doesn't matter if the people are screaming or crying or the, the, the men looking back at their families or, or the women that, are, that have been put away from their children. and It doesn't even matter to them. They, my, my sister told me about when she was in the courtroom and and when they put the shackles on all, on, on all the ILP six guys, and how they the the people sitting there just were talking and laughing and just relaxed and just I'm thinking what kind of human what is this? People have lost their humanity. There is no humanity anymore. There's no conscience. There's no compassion. There's nothing. There's not a heart beating up there. This is stone. This is, I don't care what happens. Anybody, we got an agenda. We got a quota we meet. We got to do this because we were not going to allow these men to get ahead and do anything. And whatever else down the line they did to all these other innocent people. And, and even, if, even, if they're, even if they're wrong, if they're convicted, there's a way to deal with things in front of children, in front of families. There's a way to do it. Instead of with no kind of feeling, harshness, cruelty, I am so sick inside. When I think about it, I am so sick. It makes me sick to my stomach to think of it, that you don't care at all. I feel your pain. I understand. I don't have to be there every step of the way not to understand your pain because I'm part of the human race. I'm part of a family. I'm a part of that. Therefore, I can feel your pain. And America needs to get a heart a real heart and care about your fellow man, black, white, red, or yellow, it doesn't matter. If you're right, you're right. Why are you being mistreated when you're right? And if you're wrong, why aren't you treated the way, at least fairly? It's just, it just, it, it repulses me. It repulses me. And I know only the God in heaven can stop this crap that they've been doing for centuries and think they're going to get away with it. No, you're not. You're not getting away with anything. Yes. And you, you, you family, stand tall, hold, hold your head up, and know that God's on your side, and he's coming to, to avenge you of these no-good, low-down, crooked enemies. Thank you mm. for letting me. 
And thank you for the call, uh, Luana. Cliff, we have a very special lady, uh, Barbara Courtney, uh, lady I talked to today. Is she on the line, Cliff? Uh, yeah, let's uh, bring her on. Uh, Miss Courtney, you are live. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Hello, everybody. Hello, Barbara. How are you today? A pleasure talking to you over the last couple of days. And you're hearing the show. The children are talking. They're speaking about the pain. We had an opportunity that your advocacy group is out here trying to make a difference for the children. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and the mission of what you are trying to accomplish here with your group? Well, uh, I'm the founder of uh, Children of Incarcerated Parents. We call it COPE. And we incorporated it in 2012, um, 2013. I'm a motivation speaker and a social worker, but I also am a mother who knows about the pain it caused their children because I was incarcerated myself. And one of the things is that um, I felt that I was walking around the elephant in the room. We have programs to help the ex-offenders. But we have no program to help the children who deals with incarceration or their parents or taking away from them just abruptly sometimes without any warning. And that's dealing with a loss. And so yes. my compassion is for the children. Because whether it's like a death when you are snatched all of a sudden from your parents, without any warning, and it could be devastating. And that's why I decided to uh, address and and come about to raise awareness of children of incarcerated parents. Oh, and we appreciate that, Barbara. And as you've heard tonight, I don't know how long you've listened to the show tonight, and the pain from these kids, and we alluded to that fact, uh, that uh, that pain is very, very real, Uh, And kids are suffering. And, again, they don't have a voice. We set a platform here at AJC Radio to give them that platform. And, again, it's not only the children, the mothers, the brokenhearted mothers across this country tonight who have sons and daughters incarcerated, some wrongfully, taught their kids to do the right thing, and they suffer at night. They deal with the pain. Uh, When we talked to Michael Anderson's mother, Billy, uh, that we addressed earlier, Dennis, who died at Florence, Colorado. The pain in this woman's voice, the anguish. And Barbara, we hear it from you. We hear it from the children, from everybody. Does anguish not matter anymore in this country? Does the pain in the hearts of human beings does that not matter anymore? Going to the caller's point, something has to be done. And uh, we also are going to get ready for Amy Wicks. Uh, Barbara, we're going to bring her on the on the call here momentarily. Uh, she is a, a a young lady, man, making a difference uh, in advocacy, fighting every turn uh, for justice. And this is something that's important to her. I had an opportunity to speak with her, Dennis, earlier uh, in regards. Uh, last week we talked uh, and talking about the children and being a voice for the children and how that voice has gone lost. And uh, yeah. we're going to bring Amy in right now. Amy, are you with us? Yeah, here I am. Can you hear me? We can. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing well, Amy. I'd like you to share with our listeners tonight 
Uh, me and you had talked earlier in regards to the, uh, you said you want to be the voice for the children. And you, with all of your advocacy work that you're doing, you're all over the place. Uh, tell us a little bit of why uh, this is such an important topic for you. Well, first off, I lost my children uh, while I, in Ohio after two years of being behind bars. You, uh, your children are adopted out permanently, and records are sealed. So, uh, you know that I think obviously was a motivation for me to write a book. Is what I thought God had led me to do behind bars. I promised my friends that I was with back there. Uh, that I would come home and be a voice for our children and our families that are chained to, you know, our poor choices and are judged by our incarceration. Yes, so. and, and, and you've been very, very uh, involved with that. Your thoughts, Amy, as we talk about criminal justice reform, me and you have discussed this before, and the importance of criminal justice reform, not only for the adults, but the future of America. Is there a reason that America's not connecting the dots there? that we are destroying young people's lives as a result of a broken system. How do we address that, and how do we move forward past that, Amy? We need to, what I'm doing in Ohio is I'm writing a reform bill to update old laws to today's social circumstances. I mean, my studies show that one in six children in America have a parent in prison now, and that's 17% of the population of our children. And wow. 70%... Yeah, I know, I know. And when I came home from prison in 2011, it was one in 12 children. So clearly it's gone up. Um, and 70% of those children are following their parents' lead, footsteps. So therefore, I've had to come to the conclusion in order to support the children of the incarcerated parents, we're going to have to treat the parents. Yes. Because the, parents, the children are following their parents' habits. They're blank little chalkboards. And they're learning from what they see, and they're also becoming desensitized to all of this. So going to prison, going to jail is becoming normal to them. Yes, and uh, and Amy, we, we, we salute you for what you're doing. Uh, we want folks to get a hold of you, Amy, in regards to this issue and to you, what you're trying to do. Uh, is there a number you can give them or an email address where they can get involved uh, because I think it takes everybody coming together, no matter what advocacy group or, that you're with. Uh, and, Barbara, we, we have the same vision, and that is to bring change to this nation in a very positive way. And we have to reach out to uh, to America and let them know exactly what's going on. I'm going to go with you, Amy, first. What information can they get from you as far as contacting you that they might get involved with this fight, protecting the children mm -hmm. of America? Yes. Okay, my website is www. In the name of justice, thought, net. But to tell you the truth, the news did a story on what I do, and they followed me around for four months, and I use Facebook as my God tool, okay? Yes. So if you would go to the Amy Wick Facebook page, you would be able I share everybody's testimonials. That's not just about me. This is about all of the parents and children and families of the incarcerated and the taxpayers that are chained to us not being able to move on when we get out of prison, which is the reentry component that I work heavily on. Okay. Because, yes, Amy. And I, and I want to make if a I point. Was, but, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, just, if I was going to say, if I was someone trying to get a hold of me, 
I would go to my uh, In the Name of Justice Facebook page or my From Privilege to Prison page or my Amy Wicks page uh, because I have different followers on all those pages. I educate constantly on this issue. Yeah, you do. And uh, I believe that's how you and I connected. Uh, And I believe, and I want to thank you, Amy, for fighting and signing the petition for the IRP6 at change.org. She has posted. They, I mean, we appreciate you. And, uh, we I, have I, think... a, I wanted to tell you, sorry, but we have an attorney general, our former attorney general, Jim Petro and Nancy Petro, who wrote, wrote a book called False Justice. Yes. And it's, he, he ended up leaving, you know, becoming, he was the Ohio attorney general, and he could not get an innocent man out of prison. So he went and dedicated his life to innocent people behind bars. And Nancy has uh, reviewed my book, From Privilege to Prison, and... It's a very clear book that God wrote with me, honestly. I'm not smart enough to write a book like that. And that would guide everybody and put you guys all on the same page uh, of where we are today concerning the prison system, reentry, children, families, all of it. Uh, well, you know what, Amy? Uh, we salute what you're doing. Thank you so much. I know we had talked about a lot of things that you're involved in. We're going to respect your time tonight as you continue to fight and march for justice. Uh, we will continue to uh, stay in touch with one another as we fight together uh, to bring change to this country. And I thank you so much for your efforts and what you do. You're welcome. And Lamont, will you put up the Sesame Street, um, you know, Children of Incarcerated Parents, the toolkit, and all the YouTube videos? Those are very important to guide families who have children, you know, that they're raising while the parents are in prison. Yes, Sesame. we will definitely. No, 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 we'll definitely do that. And. Uh, again, we'll talk offline and get some more information of how we can do that. Your information, Amy, we're going to have posted on our website for folks to get a hold of you. And, Barbara, how can folks get a hold of you and your organization as well? Uh, our website is www.childrenip.org. Uh, my phone number is area code 816-517-9504. But I also want to say... I just want to say a couple of things, though, because the fact, because there's one in 15 black children and one in 42 Latino children has a parent in prison compared to 111 white children. And probably half of our children with incarcerated parents are under the age of 10. And, you know, you say, what could we do about the awareness? It's not just about the the mass incarceration, but my heart is about what becomes of a broken heart and the, the trauma effect that it has on the children. And, and that's really important because even in the inner city, the CDC has uh, identified the inner city children as uh, affected as a post-dramatic stress disorder, and they have named, anytime a, a violence happened in the inner city, they have named that disease when the children come in with any type of violence, hood disease. Yes. And what it means is the disease is so detrimental for the children, and unlike soldiers, they can never leave the battlefield, and it's a storm where the children, their needs do not be met in a number of ways. So that, to me, is really important about us raising awareness of how the stigma, the shame that comes up on the children 
and how we need to fight to bring the awareness, not only for the children, but for the mothers and the fathers, that they stay connected to their children. Because well, at the end of the day, the children is, is innocent, and the mothers, the caregivers, and everybody that's involved are doing time with their loved ones. No, absolutely. And, and Barbara, you know, and I, hey, listen, uh, that's a clear point. And uh, these are things, ladies and gentlemen of America, that we have to pay attention to. Uh, whether it's the inner city, whether it's the urban areas, the poor communities. But you know what? We find that injustice crosses all lines and barriers. It affects the rich. It affects the poor. It affects the black. The, the, your social status, all of those things that happen. And, Barbara, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll have your information. Uh, folks can come to you as well. Ladies and gentlemen of America, the victims of the incarcerated, the children, focus on tonight we're coming right back this is ajc radio speaking to the victims of a system that has failed we'll be right back Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dilson. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dude Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Helps people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African-American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at AskScreenKnow.com. I miss putting him down to bed. I, I miss my son's first walk, his first word, you know. It's been really hard because I know um, they've needed me. The interaction I have with them, you know, is it's like five years condensed into two-hour visits. The toughest part is the opportunities you miss. You know, my son's soccer games, you know, their first date, you know. I've been in prison their whole uh, growing up. I got you. She's in the same way she touched her. We don't have to talk to her with the phone. That's how we talk to her. Great. Sometimes she cries and stuff at night, you know, wanting her mother. If I hear her, I ask what's wrong, and she tells me. I love you, Mommy. I wish you could get out of jail. I miss her. I pray for her every night. We take everything out of the way and look at the children. What rights do the children have? I think they have the right to have their parents and to have access to their parents and to not be sentenced for something that they didn't do. And when we take their mothers away from them, it doesn't make sense to them. It's a loss that not every child can recover from. It would probably make them feel more antisocial and less safe with police and government and courts because look at what the system did to them. It took away the most important relationship in their lives. And welcome back. I'm Lamont Banks. This is AJC Radio, and I'm joined by Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and families of the IRP-6. And tonight, as we take a journey on the victims of the incarcerated, in this case with the IRP-6, the wrongfully incarcerated, four years in July they have been uh, sitting in prison wrongfully for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And tonight we've heard some touching Dennis statements. Very we have seen the pain. Uh, our callers are engaged. We thank Amy Wicks, Barbara Courtney for joining us tonight and sharing their movement. And it takes a village to make a difference. And that's coming together, everybody. And I don't care if you have 500 followers on Facebook or you got 500,000. And I don't know if that's even possible, but... Your concerns and your passion matters. Exactly. And somebody is standing and hearing this tonight in America. Feel free to call in, 347-838-8976. We're going to give an opportunity for the RP6 uh, folks here tonight, uh, their families rather, to give a closing statement. If you could say anything to America tonight, Tiffany, uh, in regards to your pain, you stated to us earlier that Suicide came into mind 
depression, sadness, and despair as your dad was taken from you from the beautiful mountains of Colorado to a jail cell. What would you say to the American people? I would say that America really needs to really reevaluate their humanity. How can you watch and you see injustice going on and you don't care? Basically, that America has to deal with that fact that they don't care. You see, um, you see children out here, parents, even parents that are that are killed. Let's think about Eric Garner. His daughter watched him on TV die. Die. Sure. And what are they doing about it? Sure. Nothing. So America needs to get a heart. Basically. What would you say to your dad right now if you could speak to him from your heart in closing? What would you say to your dad? Um, I would tell him how much I love him um, and how I really sincerely want him to be proud of me. And, um, and that I'm working hard at it. I'm not just sitting around idle. Um, I'm applying the stuff that he taught me in my life. And um, I'm just trying to be... Um, I'm 21 now, 17, when he went to prison. I'm trying to trying to just make him proud and just um, be the the young lady that he would have me to be. And thank you for that, Tiffany. And that goes to Clinton Stewart. His daughter, the age of 21, uh, dad was taken from her from a system that had no heart. And uh, we fight for justice for the IRP-6. Kayla, what would you say to America in your situation? In closing, what would you say to America? Excuse me. Uh, I would say that as America's life goes on, just realize that some lives, especially mine, has had to stop. And like Tiffany said, they don't care. They just keep on going, living with life, not concerned, not caring for what we as the people have to go through. Sure. And they really, America really needs to wake up to what is happening and stop being in the dark about it. Absolutely. And what would you say to your dad, Kayla, tonight as on a night where we reflect on the injustice? Uh, What would you say to your dad? right now that he needs to hear I would say that I miss him like I've never missed him before but I'd also have to apologize for not realizing what great of a dad I had and that I love him more than anything now and that I'm working to be the best that I can be thank you for that and Braylon You've been a brave young man tonight, 10 years old, um, sharing his story and his pain about his father, the Christmas time, the Thanksgiving dinner, the Halloween trick-or-treating, if you will, has been missed. Uh, if you could say anything to your dad, Brethren, what would you say to him? I would say I really miss him really bad. I wish he was home so he could teach me how to be a young man and do it the things are right. 
and I wish he was home really bad, and I miss him really much, and I wish he was home. And thank you. The heart of a 10-year-old speaks sincerely. And Tasha, as you've shared your pain tonight, um, what would you say to America? What what needs to change in this country? I think the justice, justice system in a whole needs to change. I think they need to get a heart. They need to think about the families that are affected by the decisions that they make every day. Um, to me, they don't think about the children, the wives, the mothers, the grandmothers. They don't think about the families that are affected by a decision they make. I think it, the whole thing just needs to be overhauled. And if you could talk to Demetrius tonight, what would you say to him? I would tell him I love him and I miss him. Um, there were there were times that you know I did take him for granted the things that he would do. My eyes have been very much open from this situation, but in all, I would just really I just really want to tell him that I love him and I miss him and I know we're going to see him soon. And thank you for that, uh, Tasha and uh, Kia. As we uh, uh, dealt with a very emotional subject tonight, you were very emotional. Um, very involved and engaged. What does America need to hear from the child of um, one of the RP6? I think that uh, people don't understand a situation until they walk through that situation for themselves. I would see uh, people getting out of prison for crimes they didn't commit those stories on the news, on CNN and things, and I thought that's truly terrible that this is happening to people, that there are people in prison for crimes that they didn't commit but I didn't truly understand it until it happened to my family, until it happened to people that I knew. And then I saw a whole new perspective. So I think if people can, without having to experience it themselves, we need to be more aware and have more compassion and sympathy for other people. And if you could talk to your dad tonight, what would you say to him? Um, if I could talk to my dad tonight, um, I would ask him how he's doing. I would I don't know. I don't know. That, there you go. That's a different kind of question. It depends from day to day what I would say, and I'm not really sure right now how I feel. So but, I would just tell yes. him that I love him and I miss him and uh, that I'd hope to see him this weekend. Okay, and thank you for that. Cliff, we have a caller. Yes, we have uh, the truth on the line wants to make a comment about the show tonight. Okay. Uh, go ahead, you're live. Uh, yes, thanks for taking my call. I've listened to this show tonight uh, very intensely, uh, listening to the children and the wives talk about what they've gone through. And me having been their pastor and friend, having watched and observed and done our best to make things as good for them as we possibly could, uh, even during this period when my son and and my uh, and my daughter uh, was put in prison as a result of this of this case. I think about how how bad it is that we have a system where judges can uh, abuse the citizens of this country, and and they're not accountable for it. I can remember when they put my daughter in prison to try to make the RP six bow to a, a plea deal, and they lied on her. And I can remember 
where the handwriting expert said my daughter was not guilty of what they uh, claimed that she was guilty of. And then uh, when, the, when the proof came back from the handwriting expert, uh, the judge had that information, and she still would not let my daughter off the hook for what they were trying to accuse her of. In fact, the handwriting expert uh, expert was 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 irate to a point that she said that's not usually the procedure. They usually call her in at the trial and and have her to testify. She said my daughter absolutely was not uh, hadn't done anything wrong, and she put my daughter in prison anyway. This crooked judge, she should be moved from the bench and sent to prison for the time that she sent my daughter and my son and the other men of RP6 uh, to prison. She should go to prison. Anytime you have evidence supporting the right of that person and showing the evidence that they didn't do anything wrong and you step over that anyway and go on and put them in prison, what good is that doing her? I wonder how does she actually sleep at night uh, she's a hard-hearted woman. Uh, Christina Aguero, we will never, never forget that name the longest day we live. And Matt Kirsch, a crooked prosecutor that even during the trial went out at lunchtime and had him a drink of alcohol and came back in with the smell of alcohol on his breath. Uh, trying our case and not giving our men any time to present their evidence. And and all the evidence they had, they had, I cannot begin to say how much, but countless number of, of evidence to prove that they didn't do anything wrong. And then when um, uh, uh, the Attorney General, John Walsh, to take a look at it, he wouldn't look at it. He was right behind them pushing for these guys to go to prison. I know that justice is coming and is coming soon for the things that they have done and all the wrong that's taking place. Even when one of the attorneys, when, when one of the guys, Kendrick, told his attorney that, that LaWanna, my daughter, had proof of her innocence, that she didn't do anything wrong, he said, well, it really doesn't matter that she didn't do anything wrong. He said, she's going to jail anyway. And I'm telling you, somebody needs to investigate the entire Tenth Circuit. It's corrupt all the way from the district court up to the appellate court. The things that have been done to our family and all the things that have gone down in this case, I am thankful that we have a platform in which to push it out and keep pushing. And we are going to not stop until these guys are back home with their families. And through prayer and all the things that we've done during this process, we truly believe that God has answered our prayer and the truth will finally be known of all the garbage that they put on top of this and covered it up and, and tried to make it look like our guys were these horrible men who only went to church, served in their community, and took care of their families. Why would you take them away and put the families and the children through what you've done? And even going to the prison. Uh, to visit them. They harassed the family members. In fact, one uh, one family that was there said, have y'all called uh, the president about how they're treating your family when they come here? We, they don't like for you to enjoy a visit with your loved ones. They don't like that. There's a patio 
right off from the visiting room, and the family would go out there and sit with the sunshine. It would be so nice and warm and, and, and balmy, and, and families all of them would gather out there as many as could on that, on that patio. And as I looked around and saw everybody being so happy, I said to some of my family, I said, I guarantee you, by the time we come back here next Saturday, that patio is going to be off limits. And sure enough, when we went back the next Saturday, there's a sign on the window saying that patio is under investigation. How, what in the world could a patio do to be under investigation? You know, they have kept that sign up all this time. And families could have been out there enjoying the weather. But it seems like if you come to prison and sit down with your loved ones and you're having a good time, they do everything they can to make your life as miserable as possible. Even even one of the guards uh, uh, touching Clint, Clint Stewart's daughter, Tiffany, in ways that he should not have. All kind of things took place in the against our families and continue to take place. And so... I'm thinking, okay, you put them in prison, then you go there to visit with them to have some visitation time, and they shut off everything they can. They harass the family. I know our family continuously. It's always something that that I don't care. Every time you look up, there's another rule, another rule that's designated just for us. It's the most cruelest thing that I've seen, and I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to let our voices be heard for our guys and keep pushing forward. Don't stop doing what we can to make a difference, not only for the IRP6 and their families, but all of the people that have been wrongly convicted and and in prison, torn away from their families uh, because of corrupt Judge uh, Christina Glow and Matt Kirsch and John Walsh, all of them played a part in, in conspiring to destroy these men's lives. They're good guys, had no criminal record, never been in trouble with the law. And when I look at this situation, I am just overwhelmed with, with what I see. But I'm thankful to God that we, we made a lot of progress in getting our guys home. And I feel like it's a matter of time before they'll be here. So all of you that hear us tonight, do pray for our guys and their families and also all the other men and women throughout this country that is wrongfully uh, incarcerated and their families, that God would open doors up and make a way for them, and we know that he can. So I thank you for the opportunity to be able to call in tonight, and I pray that we will continue to do all that we can and joining with other advocacy groups that said let's make a difference because we can. Thank you so much for taking my call. And thank you for that call. Wow. Uh, what do you say? Um, I'll take a couple of minutes to thank the families of the RP6, Tasha Harper, Braylon Harper, Kayla Harper, Tiffany Stewart, and Kia Banks. And to the caller's point, justice has got to prevail that may not be proper English, but we'll let it go tonight. <laughs> We're seeking justice. We said before, Lady Justice has gone missing, but the children remain the collateral damage of injustice. Tonight, as we have taken America down the streets of injustice and the little rooms of the children, something has to happen. 
We ask you to go to change.org tonight. Sign the petition. Search IRP6. Sign the petition that we ask President Obama to release the IRP6 for injustice. Uh, we also want to take this moment to remember Rene Lima Marin, his family, his children who have suffered a great loss as a result of injustice. Go out and sign their petition as well at change.org. You can type in Renee Lima Marin. His petition will go up. Our thoughts and prayers go with Jasmine, uh, the wife of Renee, and those two children as we seek justice. Uh, there's a petition for Tim Wright, a man wrongfully convicted of murder, has been stripped from his family. And I could go on and on and on. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back with what you didn't know about the RP6. We'll be right back. Welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the IRP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to convict. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. I'm Lamont Banks with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt. What you didn't know about the IRP-6. And 
Tonight we ask the tough questions. We seek the answers that bring some type of information and resolve as we continue to seek justice for the IRP-6. Tonight, the intimidation of witnesses by a federal judge. Cliff, when you hear that statement, and that federal judge being Christine Arguello, um, we believe acts of intimidation were placed on the jury, where they were scared, afraid, and in this process, a jury is not to be afraid, but congratulated for the service given to their community and to the uh, patriotic duty, if you will, to administer justice. Cliff, talk to the people of what happened in that situation. Well, you have in or open court, as typical in uh, in cases. Once the case is open, uh, the verdict comes down. The judge says, "Okay, jury, thank you for your service. You're free to go. You can talk to who you want to. Yada yada yada. Whatever, whatever." In the IRP six case, Judge Arguello made that basic statement and then tells the jur- the jurors uh before you leave I want to talk to you uh to thank you uh personally. Now she's already thanking them personally in open court. Why does she need to do it again? You might ask because that is where things begin to twist. In the back room we have this from uh you know interviews with the with the with jurors that were on the jury panel that said when Judge Arguello came in the back room that she told them you are not to talk to the defense, uh, to the defense's attorneys, to their families. If anyone from the defense contacts you, you are to let the uh, the prosecutor, assistant U.S. attorney judge, I mean uh, Matthew Kirsch, know, and he will turn it over to the FBI. Now, the sickening part about this is it, it, there's so many parts to it because you say, okay. I'm free to talk to whoever I want to. Then you tell me I'm not. Then you tell me if I do, you're sending the FBI after me. Now, that, that's basically what, what she's saying. If you talk to somebody on the defense team, the FBI is coming to deal with you. That is intimidation. That is so far out of the out of the well, realms and bounds of what a judge is supposed yeah. to do. And how then does a jury say, okay, how am I free to talk to whoever I well, want to when you're telling me the FBI is going to come? deal with me if I do. And then Cliff, on that note, and uh, the judge, federal judge Christina Aguayo laid the foundation with this jury and told them if they came back with a mistrial or a hung jury, they would be financially responsible for the trial. Yes, and it's all these ways that uh, she spins all these words and these phrases that, you know, you can be held in contempt. Uh, you can be responsible for the entire cost of the trial. That is not true. It is it's a juror's true. right to say, I do not agree with the process that happened during this trial. I don't believe with the presentation of the evidence. I don't believe in the actions of the judge. I don't believe in the actions of the prosecutor and say, I am not even voting whether the, I, I do not come back with a verdict. I'm not even dealing with it. That is a juror's right. That's why the jury is there for a well, judge to tell them, I will have you pay for this entire trial. But mistrial comes back. That is totally outside problem. Well, the question is, how many laws can be broken by federal judge Christina Aguayo and go undealt with? How many violations of the Constitution can be broken? This is what you didn't know about the IRP-6. A federal judge appointed by the President of the United States violates and tramples the Constitution under their feet. We must seek justice. We must ask the tough questions. We will continue to seek justice and hold...
federal judge, Christine Arguello, accountable. This show is dedicated to the IRP6. David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, and Clinton Stewart. And I'll tell you right now, folks, this doesn't get any easier, but the battle rages on as we see justice. Lisa, there are perpetrators of justice who wear a robe, who occupy, sit behind a desk and claim to be administers of justice, but they are perpetrators of justice. Who are they? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Mullen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professionals, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you for that, Lisa Cliff. Yes, I want to say thank you to our guests, Amy Wicks and Barbara Courtney. We appreciate you guys taking time out of your evening to spend with us tonight. Also, we want to say thank you to our production team, KMD Productions, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson, helping out Ill Skills Girl in the control room to make sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, to our production support team, they give us accurate and up-to-date information so that we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, you know you're out there. We appreciate it. And we also are thankful for all the callers that called in today to this program. Folks, tune in with us Thursday evening for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This week, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, an exclusive interview from Washington, D.C. And I'll tell you right now, folks, you don't want to miss that. And we welcome and, and wish a happy birthday to Dennis Merritt, uh, also uh, Felicia Ruff. Ruff, and we also had Ashley Ashley Brown. Uh, Ashley Brown. Do you know anyone in the studio? Happy yes. birthday, <laughs> folks, to you. Ladies and gentlemen of America, tuck the kids in. Get ready. Spring's around the corner, and AJC Radio is ready to bloom. We'll be right back next time here on AJC Radio. I'm Lamont Banks, Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. Good night, America. Good night. Good night. Good night. of difference. But how do you fit a lifetime's worth of parenting into just 24 hours? Nightline co-anchor Juju Chang goes behind prison walls for our series, Face to Face. over the phone, but Johnny Trey Williams is serving 23 years in prison for second-degree murder. Today, she and nearly 30 other kids are getting a special visit with their dads, designed to prevent the kind of damage kids suffer when a parent is in prison. They are just some of the nearly 3 million children in this country with a mom or dad behind Ethan Buckner is seven. You going to see your dad today? 
Amaya Matthews, is nine. She and her little brother live three hours away. So how excited are you to see your dad? Very. Like, I just jump super hot and I'm so excited. You're so excited, I know. My dad told me that there's this one guy that hasn't met his daughter. She's here. Do you want to meet her? Amaya has visited before, but today is different. Arkenia, I want you to meet Amaya. She heard about you. Meeting your dad behind bars is a really big deal. Why is it a big deal? Like, this is the one time you can, like, sit in his lap, let him hug you. You can't get up at all.